Well, you've had some thoughts, and we appreciate your sharing those with us. Fast Lane Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the Fast Lane before the Fast Five at five-ish. It's ish so that we can do that at any point during the Fast Lane. And yes, that is inclusive. Some of our feedback, not just some Taylor Swift NFL comments. We've gotten a little bit of that from our uh, younger female listeners who knew they were out there, but we appreciate that. And of course, Virginia in their football struggles. But want to get some perspective from somebody who also has his uh, finger on the pulse in terms of what fans are thinking because message boards are open uh, at CavsCorner.com regularly. And the man who gets front row access to all of that is Brad Franklin, who's gracious enough to give us a few moments of his time today here in the fast lane. Brad, um, curious for you. As we go through this time with Virginia off to the 0-4 start uh, and another frustrating loss this time to NC State this past Friday, is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it apathy? What is the sense you are getting from the feedback fans are sharing and maybe the lack of feedback that is also possibly coming uh, your way? No, and I think if you said, is it A, B, or C, I would just say yes. Um, I think it's a little bit of all of the above. Um, you know, realistically, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna call the spade a spade here, there were a lot of fans. Um, you know, the, the degrees to how many there were or weren't are, are debatable, but there were definitely there was a subset of fans who, as we talked about before, were were not all that displeased with Bronco Mendenhall and didn't really. Um, just didn't really get into the idea of like change and the model program and all this kind of stuff. And I think that for a lot of those fans, what they're seeing this year, what they saw last year and what they're seeing this year is, is exactly what they expected. Right. And so they're, they're kind of just sitting this out in a lot, in a lot of ways, waiting for what they think would be the eventual sort of um, reboot. Um, you know, like, like watching a television show, you're just sort of, uh, waiting for it to end, but you kind of can't not watch because you're sort of invested in it, right? Now, to that end, there are also a, a great number of fans, probably a vast majority, who are living and dying the same way um, all fans are, and they're frustrated. I think they're frustrated because they expected, uh, even if they didn't expect to win the first game, and they maybe not expected to be, you know, three and one, they didn't expect to lose the games the way the Cavaliers have lost the games, right? Two eight play 80 yard drives against James Madison. Um, the absolute sort of meltdown that was the second half in, in college park. And then of course the last 36 seconds uh, against NC state. What's weird is that, that for the optimists, there's, there's been a lot of stuff to like latch onto, right? There's Anthony Calandria, there's Malik Washington. There's the fact that they made some changes on the offensive line. The offensive line is actually not that big a deal anymore. Right. And then in addition to that, um, there's also the piece of things where, you know, they feel like they found somebody in Calandria who can really sort of give them a big boost for the future. Um, I think the, the reality, as is always the case, right, is somewhere in between. And I think there, uh, as these as this thing has gone on, and as I wrote about in my column yesterday, you know, it's a situation where the proof will, will, will play out, right? We, you know, we will see in the coming weeks whether or not, you know, they were able to go to Boston College and get a win, come back home, beat William and Mary, get another win, or if they're sitting at 0-6-0-7, I mean, the situation is going to play itself out. And as to sort of what's happening and why, we can talk about margin for error. We can talk about too many mistakes. We can talk about, you know, not enough Jimmys and Joes. Bottom line is the staff is put there to win football games. And for whatever, whatever that reason might be why they're not getting it done, 
the way in which they're not getting it done, I think, says as much about the program right now as anything else. That's a good point. And what it says about the program, and we mentioned this earlier, um, the, the final minute against NC State, kind of encapsulating a lot of the frustration that seems to be around this particular program right now. What's more discouraging for fans out there, and maybe for you as well as somebody who covers Virginia football? Uh, you know, I mean, I presume you want to see Tony Elliott succeed. I do as well. He seems like he embodies what Virginia stands for. But the way that final minute unfolded in the three penalties was frustrating. And then even more, I don't know if it's baffling, but maybe frustrating has been the reaction to the penalties by Tony Elliott afterwards, basically saying that, no, two of the three he gets and understands. And that is job to try to coach you up in those situations as a team and player, whether it's preparing for intense battles so you don't lose your temper and throw the second punch, whether it's celebrations and making sure you don't take the helmet off and uh, do a little flex to call attention to yourself, or even just reemphasizing basic tenets and special teams meetings about not jumping over the line that that would seem to indicate that there are also some concerns there about just some of the basics. Yeah, and I get all of that. I think the the, the, the truth is, one, you know, you, you really don't want your head coach, even if he says that kind of stuff behind closed doors, to come out and just dog people in, in on Tuesdays in the press conference, right? And, I, you know, I think maybe if you're if we're, we're going to look back on last year, maybe he just did a little bit too much of – kind of what, for lack of description, sort of air and dirty laundry, um, you know, in front of microphones. There are things that he can say to his players that he doesn't necessarily have to say to the public. Doesn't mean just because he says it to the public that that's what he's saying to his players. I would imagine that both Anthony, Anthony Calandria and James Jackson are very well-versed well, uh, at this point, right, on the rules in which they, they, they broke in those moments. Um, the, the second part of my answer to that question, Ed, would be that I think that in both the, the – um, the unsportsmanlike penalty and the leaping, both of them are just kids trying to make plays. And I think all coaches are are sympathetic when guys are trying to make a play and they get all hopped up in the moment and they do something that they did they didn't necessarily um, they didn't necessarily think through. Right now, if it's you know the case of Ty Furnish, I think Tony was right to call that one out. So look, you can't have that. You can't have. I don't care who did it first. You can't have retaliation. You just can't. Um, I, I think the leaping thing is hard because, you know, I knew when the guy was in the air, I was like, oh, that's going to be a penalty. Um, just because that's been such a rule of emphasis in the last few years. So that one is hard for me to, to, to square, like how that's not a point of emphasis for the team, you know, at least in the, in the preseason. Now it makes sense as to why maybe it's been a while and he just sort of, um, maybe he, maybe he jumped and, you know, the kid just got more hops than he, than he expected. The Calandry one is, a, is weird because you could really argue that what he was doing was celebrating to his own sideline. Uh, in a way that otherwise, with his helmet's on, nobody cares, right? But the fact is, his helmet wasn't on, and, he, and the helmet comes off as he's been thrown to the ground, that as it did a couple of times. Um, that's not in the big scheme of things. Uh, should it be a big deal? Probably not. But you know what? It's a it's a penalty. It, it counts. And I think ultimately, if you look at the course of the season, the penalties have been an issue. Most of the time, it's it's backbreaking, drive killing. Um, momentum squashing penalties. These, in a sort of way, except obviously the leaping penalty because it gave NC State a chance. Um, you know, these Virginia sort of overcame, right? Which has just not been the way it's been. And I think overall, you can focus on these three, or you can focus on the bigger picture, which is like this team is penalized 
too much. Is that a function of bad coaching, or is that a function of kids? They're pressing. They're, they know they're 0-4. They're very aware of, you know, all the, the talk. I mean, kids are as online these days as they've ever been, right? And the idea of blocking out the noise is impossible. They, they, know, they hear about it on the way to class. They hear about it from their friends. Uh, no matter what school they go to, whether they do go to school, they hear from their family members, they hear from everybody. So I think on some level you have to remember these are teenagers, and they're not professionals regardless of what the NIL money might say, right? They're not, and so they're not – we can't expect them to be uh, perfect every time. What we, I think, can expect is that you should be seeing things move in the right direction, and right now this team is too penalized, and that's a part of the whole you know, first question that you asked about sort of the, the mood of the fan base and sort of where things are. They need to become a lot, le- a lot less penalized. They need to be a much cleaner team because they do not have um, the ability on both sides of the ball. They do not have the, um, you, know, you know, they don't have the firepower to, to just go out there and be giving up 15 yards and pop. Um, they really need to clean it up, and, and that efficiency piece has to click in at some point, or otherwise those losses are just going to keep stacking up. Brad Franklin of CavsCorner.com. He is at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter. If you want to interact with him, and uh, you can interact with us, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Um, the Virginia Cavaliers' struggles up to this point. I mean, when you're 0-4, there are obviously a number of ones that compound itself. But you mentioned being too penalized as a team. Combine that with special teams, and uh, whether it's jumping over the, the line on the block field goal attempt, missed field goals that have popped up, coverage return issues in multiple games that have arisen. How much is that underscoring the fact that if you take that out, I know it's, you know, the how is the play misses Lincoln theory here, but if you take that out, it actually looks like schematically the offense and defense have made progress. It's just they can't get out of their own way in so many other areas that fans may not be able to see that. Yeah, I think the offense has clearly made that stride. I think defensively I, I, I have some concerns, and I think the special teams – have you know? Listen, if your special teams are, are net negative, um, as my podcast co-host Justin Ferber likes to say, then you're losing, right? Because special teams can't be a net negative, and the, so far this season that has absolutely been the case for the Cavaliers. They special teams have given up points direct. I mean, just given up points um, several times, and that's not, they're not in a position as a team right now where they can again give up 15 yards of pop, give up you know random points, uh, uh, you know. We willy nilly, but I will say defensively, I, I'm I'm concerned because what I've seen has been a team that I expected to be a lot more sound that would that would be able to um, do a little bit more than they've done. Now, granted, we all knew that going into the season they were going to have to replace their starting cornerbacks, and I also understand that this defense has been just unusually banged up. They've got a just a rash of injuries at various spots. Some guys have not been able to play at all. Some guys have been able to play. You know, spots here and there. They've got concussions. They've had high ankle sprains. They've got a lot going on. Um, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that I'm concerned strictly from a schematic or coaching or you know that kind of standpoint. But what I've seen, what I saw last year was a defense that been, but that Benton did not break. Right? They were very good at sort of getting off the field when they needed to get off the field, and that was one of the reasons why UVA was in as many games as the Cavaliers were in last year, let's be real. What they've done this year has been when the defense needed to come through for the stop, they just haven't been able to do that. They did that against NC State, so maybe that's a good step in the right direction. They're playing some younger kids, Cam Robinson, for example, a really highly regarded uh, recruit coming in, true freshman. You know, He got some burn earlier in the year, uh, looked good in moments, looked like a freshman in other words, but you know, he, he had a really nice game against the Wolfpack. 
Uh, I'm really curious to see sort of how this thing goes for him. Um, we'll also be interested to see Dre Walker in the defensive backfield, a kid that I think early in camp it felt like, you know, you talk to enough people and everybody seemed to be kind of uh, excited about him. Um, maybe that will be a, a, a good boost for them because they really need a, a, a lot more help than I expected they were going to need, Ed. And, and really, truthfully, the offense has been good enough that they should, they should not have been in a position um, to lose at least two of these games. Right, they should realistically be even if the even if the the defense is kind of being not necessarily as good as it was last year, but in the, remotely in the conversation of that territory, they should be two and two. Um, but they're not. Um, they're, you know, and I mean, like you know, you can um, you know you can point to specific plays, you can point to specific um, ideas and and such. You can point to specific injuries and. Bottom line is the same, right? And so I think as they go forward, the defense has to be better. They've got to figure it out. John Rosinski, he earned a lot of respect, I think, from a lot of folks, myself included, because of how quickly they got their stuff together last year and did a lot more defensively than I think a lot of folks, again, myself included, expected. Well, you know what? They kind of got to be back on that train because this this team needs it. They don't. They the offense has been good. The offense is not good enough to overcome a lot of the spots that the defense is putting them in. And, I, you know, Rudd is not exactly the most, the most quotable guy. He, he kind of tends to keep a lot to himself. He, he, he's not a very, um, you know, outspoken sort of is what it is, wears it on his sleeve kind of coach. He, he kind of deals a lot more in, in those kind of coach-speaking cliches. He doesn't really put a lot out there. I think even he would admit that what he what they're putting out there this season has not been up to up to snuff and certainly has to get better if the Cavaliers want to turn this thing around. No doubt. I mean, that's one area of importance, certainly, for the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, an area of importance for you if you follow them is CavsCorner.com. You should check that out. And, of course, the Cavs Corner podcast will be dropping within the next 24 or so hours for your consumption and potential enjoyment uh, if you like hearing what Brad and Justin and David all have to say about Virginia Um, This stretch of two games coming up at Boston College, as banged up as Virginia happens to be entering that one, and then William & Mary at home. They're not gimmies. Are they the best chance this team has to get a win before the schedule gets much more difficult with the likes of Duke, Carolina, and Miami still to come? And if they don't win both these games, I don't know where two wins are coming from. That's not to say they can't, you know, sneak up on somebody or whatever. I'm just going on what I've seen so far this season, right? Duke looks really good. Carolina's still really good. Um, you know, maybe Virginia Tech at the end of the season is one. Um, but with that rivalry, I, I think if you're a Cavalier fan or Cavalier player or somebody works in the whatever, you're never going to take that as a, as a, as a gimme at all, right? No matter how bad the, the Hokies might be playing. Um, I, no, but seriously, I think these two games, they have to be in. They have to be able to go to Boston College and, and get a win on Saturday. Um, I, I genuinely don't know, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I genuinely don't know what happens if they don't. If they come out of Boston, and they come home 0-5. I mean, that William Mary team, if you're not really uh, up for the fight, uh, and I know they've, uh, they had an r- injury to their running back, but that offense could still hang 40 or 50 on them, right? Given where they are injury-wise, if guys are, are starting to feel dejected, disenfranchised, kind of starting to check out a little bit, like this win is probably – I mean, it's not just a must-win, it's a have-to-win. Uh, both from a you know season standpoint and from a mindset standpoint and from a morale standpoint, you know I, I think this Boston College team we've seen them have moments this season, um, but whenever you're talking about playing a team where the coach is like literally on the hot seat to get fired right now, um, you got to figure out a way to get that win. We've seen Virginia in recent years not get to do that, right? 
Louisville was kind of in the place where they were going to uh, part ways with Scott Satterfield and what happened. Um, they came to Charleston and got a win. Um, so I, I just don't think that there's any real, like any realistic way this thing turns around if it doesn't include these next two games. I, you know, no disrespect intended to to the tribe or, or what Mike Lennon and his group are doing. I think they've done a fabulous job. But you're, this is a game where well, these are two games. I mean, where Virginia has to be able to get it done. And I don't care how it happens. You know, by an inch or by a mile, they gotta they gotta get out of uh, those two games two wins because if not. I think the entire season uh, kind of teeters on it. Not so much because they're 0-4. That's a big part of it. But it's also the way that they're 0-4. The coming out of the weather delay and getting just kind of punked a little bit by James Madison. Going to College Park and giving up 28 unanswered points, um, not even scoring in the second half. Um, then, of course, the way the NC State game ended, where you had Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I and Garrett Touje right there. The storyline's perfect. You played even better than anybody expected you to play, including Las Vegas, and you were in the position to win the game, and you didn't, right? you got to find a way to get these next two wins. And I think I'm speaking for not just you know observers, but fans alike. I, I think everybody uh, will feel a lot better about the entire operation if they can get a win. And that sounds... On its face, it sounds silly, but winning does a, does a lot of things, man. It cures a lot of ills. It covers up a lot of warts. And it certainly makes things a lot, um, a lot easier to swallow. And, yeah, Virginia's in a spot right now where, you know, Calandria has, has been a lightning bolt. Washington is great. He's leading the league in, in yards and, and, and uh, receptions. Um, but they don't have, it feels like right now for Virginia fans, they don't have anything to show for it, right? They've got this great kid at quarterback, this great wide receiver, and they're 0-4. Um, and every power ranking has them basically next to last. So they can't go to the team that is last and lose. They've got to find a way first on Saturday to get a win, and then I think the next Saturday do the same with William & Mary. Brad, last one for you. It's not nearly as grim as fans may make it out to be because, uh, I mean, and Tony Bennett you trust if you're a Virginia basketball fan, as you should, and he's clearly earned the benefit of the doubt in a multitude of ways. But once again, they were in the hunt, whether it was the kid who, uh, Jaron Stevenson, who had Virginia on his list but ultimately picked Alabama, that five-star recruit, or Con Canupo, the latest one who did not go to Virginia, Duke kind of swoops in at the last minute, and as they've done in plenty of cases, they get the recruit despite all the effort Virginia has made in that department. Is this just where this program is relegated, where they'll get some high-end four-star guys, and they obviously know how to develop that talent, but... The five-star recruit, you're almost playing a different game, and it's not really a game that's best equipped to how Virginia pitches itself as a program. You know, I don't know, Ed. I think that they're you know, Con is a, is an interesting case because this is going to sound funny, but like he almost got too big. And what I mean by that is like um, in the NIL era, you know, it's just not realistic for some schools to be able to. Um, no matter how early on you run a kid, no matter how much you know uh, work you've done to create those relationships, and no matter how many connections you've got, sometimes you're just not going to be able to pull those kids. Um, and it's it's becoming an even um, inc- more increasingly um, sticky wicket. And and I, and I'm not saying that that's not necessarily something. You know, I, I think you'll eventually you'll see Virginia you know pull a kid here and there. But the reality is they're going to get a lot more Jacob Coffees uh, of the world. Like the cannons of the world, high-rated four-star kids with really nice offer uh, sheets, as opposed to you know the top fifteen, top twenty. Um, and I don't necessarily know in the big scheme of things if 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 that matters as much. And I mean, listen, you always want the best players. I'm not trying to make it out like oh, Tony Bennett wouldn't love to take a LeBron James. Of course he would, right? Um, but the bottom line is the same, which is like Tony is going to want guys who uh, who fit his system 
if they're high rated, that's great. I, I don't think Tony and his staff have ever really given much um, credence to what we do on the recruiting side of things. They don't care about the rankings. They don't care about the offers. They care about the kids that they think are, are players caliber uh, or you know the kind of caliber that they want to bring in that they know that they can win with. Um, but I'm not necess- I don't think it's a problem uh, on the recruiting side. Honestly, Virginia's in a really good spot recruiting-wise. Um, what they've done the last few classes – Starting with this one um, with Jacob, and I, and I think they're they're in a really good spot to, to have a really nice 2024. Um, already in a really good spot for 2025, if we're being honest. Um, but between you know bringing in uh, Christian Bliss and getting him early, um, they're in a really nice spot for Chance Mallory, who is a homegrown talent, and Virginia has not necessarily done as well with the homegrown kids. Typically, those are guys that Virginia doesn't offer if they offer at all until late, and by that point, the the hay is out of the barn a little bit. Um, I also feel like, you know, what Tony and, and, and his staff did in, 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 in the, you know, aftermath of last season, bringing Bron Sanchez back, they, um, they, they, they hired uh, Zay and they hired Johnny Carpenter, two young, energetic, Wahoos for life kind of guys to, to fill out the extra coaching spots on the staff. Um, that the NCAA gave him when they gave him the extra full-time assistance. Uh, I think Tony's really kind of doubled down on doing it his way, doing it what's been successful. And, you, and like, the recruiting has been really good. Honestly, like, and I know folks hate, like, moral victories, and I don't mean it that way, but, like, they're kind of lucky uh, that they're in a position to be with a guy like Han and be that late in the game. I mean, like, you know, real talk. Like, Virginia, that 2019 championship is, is not necessarily top of mind for every – uh, college basketball recruit the way it is for every UVA basketball fan, right? 2019 stands out and certainly is a, is a hell of a feather in your cap. And look, you go into JPJ and you see the banner. I mean, it's, it's real. You see the little gold, um, <laughs> gold thing on the back of the jerseys that says they won a championship. It matters. But I just think that in the big scheme of things, these kids are much more worried about kind of being, being able to get to the next level and who gives them the best opportunity to do that. They're worried about their families now and NIL. They're worried about, good situations. And I think UVA can sell itself a lot, but I think that a lot of that's going to happen with the, the higher rated four-star kids and maybe uh, the five-star kids are, are, you know, you're looking for the right situation. So for example, if um, Zay Wilkins, his little brother, um, Dominique's son, um, decides to, to come to UVA, I mean, he could be a five-star kid by the time this happens, right? And the reality is is that UVA is going to keep doing it the way that they've done it. I think this team, though, is going to be very good, and that's going to help the case that Tony and company are going to make to kids in 24 and 25 down the road. Good point from somebody who follows recruiting much more in-depth than even we do at CavsCorner.com as Brad Franklin is with us in the fast lane. Brad, thank you for your time and generosity. Today we'll be on the lookout for the new Cavs Corner podcast in the next 24 hours, and keep it locked to Cavs underscore corner on Twitter for all the latest from you. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Indeed. Brad Franklin with us here in the Fast Lane. When we return, we'll shelve the Fast Five at 5-ish to tomorrow. We have more thoughts on that. When we return, some of your feedback on Virginia football and some other topics still to come in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.